Welcome to Mirepoix Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Schubach. I'm a writer, theater maker, and food enthusiast, and I'm taking you on a journey through food, family, and culture via the lens of food practice and tradition. Our guest today is Cesar Torres. Up first, a word from our sponsors. This is Mirepoix. Cesar, how are you? Yo, I'm grand. Thank you for being here. Thanks for inviting me. I'm so excited to be here. What a dream, what a dream. The first question is, who the heck are you? I am a novelist and founder and designer of a clothing company. I do those together. So I've written seven books of science fiction. Uh, Most of them are pretty scary and dark. I have one that's uh, kinky superhero erotica for queer people, which is lovely. And then separately from that, uh, I am the founder and designer of LED Queens Fitness Apparel. So I make gym clothing for the most fabulous people in the world. And those people are my customers and they tend to be in general, male identified, gay and queer. Awesome. So you're a busy person. Yeah, too much, too busy. (laughs) I need Uh, more cooking time. Oh yeah, well, hello. Uh, What do you usually say is your favorite food? You know, I think when it comes down to it, it ends up just barreling down to the, the basics, which is sushi or pizza. Uh, you know, some somebody might want to like answer this like in a fancy way and be like, oh, well, you know, it's going to be this. But honestly, it's it's the thing you go to that is just the favorite. So either one of those, I'll be really happy. What's your go to sushi? Uh, I love nigiri. So uh, mm. to me, just a really good slice of fish over the rice is about as simple as it gets. And that's as delicious as it gets if it's, you know, pretty good quality. Um, But you know, even in the city, I live in the Midwest. It's not like we're getting like the freshest sushi, but still I have a good time with it. And uh, that is my treat. Like, I think this weekend I'm going to order some. Oh yeah. I probably a week doesn't go by without a a sushi order for me, if I'm being honest. Nice. Um, What's your favorite food and beverage pairing? See, I think... (laughs) You know, I told myself before you start this interview, don't don't just rock out these basic bitch uh, yeah. answers. And these are not basic bitch uh, answers, actually. They're actually, yeah. I think, what what you would find most people who love food would answer. Yeah. But the, my my favorite pairing, which is something I don't even consume of a lot anymore, is a really high quality piece of red meat, like steak, uh-huh. with a great glass of wine. Yeah. And you know, you can find that in almost any country, but. Argentina, Italy, you know, you're going to get some good experiences with that. Yeah. Um, nothing really beats that. It's just, it's super simple and it's just so much flavor. Um, but I don't consume that much red meat lately. Yeah. And I basically don't drink. So okay, I will yeah. for a special occasion, you know, if you and I are going to the vineyard or we're going to Argentina together, yeah. I will, I will make the exception for that uh, great piece of steak with a little bit of wine. It's nice to have those things that we reserve for the high holidays. Yes. Uh, and I have lots of other pairings, but you know, in general, I think you want the best for me, don't you? I'm I do. To give you the best. I... <laughs> <laughs> do you, now, here's my question: Do you feel like knowledgeable enough to make those meat and wine pairings, or do you leave that up to the experts? I do. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, there's lots of different cuts that you can get, and it, it d- depends on the country that you're in. Yeah. Uh, so a great sirloin steak is great. Uh, filet mignon is nice. A little. Uh, short on the fat. I actually like fat or marbled meat. Yeah, with, yeah, with yeah. Fat. 
And then uh, with wines, I'm not like a super stickler, but I don't, uh, I used to consume more sweeter wines, you know, uh -huh. so the, the Shirazes of the world and stuff. Yes. But uh, nowadays, I think a great um, Cabernet, you know, something, something that's not too rich. Uh, so uh -huh. it depends on which one. I would just do that and keep it really simple. So I think the theme I'm detecting, even in my answers so far, is that at this stage in the game of life, I'm trying to like simplify and just stick to yeah. something that's high quality, that is uh, tasty. Yeah. Yep, yep, that's right, that's so, right. And I'm single everybody. So if you're listening, <laughs> you know, I'm gonna be easy to please. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. We can, yeah, we can plug anything, including your singlehood. That's good. Yeah, why not? Um, what about, what's your favorite hot breakfast? My favorite hot breakfast is the one I make every day. And it's one that I've been making for about, wow, like almost five years. Yeah. Uh, I have a, a cup and a half of egg white. Now that's so much egg white. Yeah. Most people think, oh, it's like a tablespoon. That's what I put in there. It's a cup and a half plus one whole egg, uh -huh. plus usually a, a starch that goes with it. So I might do oatmeal one day or another day I might do one English muffin. Yeah. Um, and whatever starch that is, if it happens to be bread-like, I will toast it with butter, you know, so it's like the thing I have on the side. And I will usually put kimchi on top of the egg once it's finished in the pan. Uh, so I get some spice there or whatever. But I eat that specifically because I've become, I guess, kind of a bodybuilding nerd. And uh -huh. so I like to have foods that taste really good. Yeah. But I have to have a certain amount of protein, especially the first meal in the morning. So yeah. I have, it's a massive meal. I mean, a cup yeah. and a half of egg whites is That's like this huge. giant thing. Yeah. Um, but I love it and uh, it's gotten me results. So yeah, yeah, that, that, that is my favorite because it better be my favorite because it's the one I have every day. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I mean, there's other things I like. Uh, and so for special occasions, you know, back to that, like, I'll have like chilaquiles or pancakes. Sometimes I have pancakes. But uh, if you were to visit my house every single day, that's what's going on with my breakfast. Yeah. It's those egg whites. Yeah. And coffee. Lots of black coffee. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm a big coffee person. Black coffee myself. For better, for worse. Um, what's your favorite theme park or county fair or street festival food? Food. All right. So this one, I think, I think it has less to do with the food and more to do with the place. Yeah. Uh, but basically all the snacks at Cedar Point in oh, yeah. Sandusky, Ohio. Uh, and they didn't pay me to, to say this. Like, yeah. I just think it's one of the best theme parks in the world yeah. because I love roller coasters. I love thrills. I love screaming my head off. And uh, if you go in the right mindset with the right people, good friends, yeah. um, it becomes sort of like any meal you would have, whether it's grilled cheese or a piece of steak, like everything just is magnified. So the yeah. taste of their like chicken tenders or their fries, or uh, if I had beer, but you know, if you have beer or soda, like yeah. it's just like amplified a hundred times because you're just having the time of your life. And I don't uh, get nauseous, like moving from right to right uh -huh. and having a snack. So I can kind of snack there all day. And uh, it is also, uh, I don't know, just, it's a treat because I normally don't eat that kind of stuff. So um, those would be the, the snacks, but they're tied specifically to Cedar Point because they have the best rides in the world. We went to, I went to Cedar Point, uh, I think once in high school, but I had the time of my life. Did, do you remember what ride you loved? Or you know what? you just like, I remember shook? The yeah <laughs> we went two days which is wild and one of the days we went to like there's a water park side yeah, right yeah. yeah 
so for whatever reason, the water park, I remember a lot better. Um, I actually think partially because I was afraid of the water slides at first, and then I did it anyway yeah. out of peer pressure, but I actually had a really good time, which usually uh, peer pressure in my youth led to not having a good time. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, for all of us, I hated yeah. those kinds of things, but yeah. it sounds like it was almost like a food experience for you. Like sometimes yeah. people go, oh, you know, I'm with a group and somebody wants me to try this weird food for the first time. And if you allow yourself to get into it, yeah, you take the risk, you know, the good things can turn out. Just that's don't right. let your friends bully you into it. I think that's, that's the right. difference. That's the difference of the beer pressure. Yeah. I, I definitely had some nachos at Cedar Point that I enjoyed, you know, all, yeah. ballpark style. And I know they have some like signature snacks that oh, I'm like, not remembering at the moment, oh. um, but they don't really matter because if they were truly signature snacks, I would remember them right now. What I remember oh. is like, I think it's the chicken tenders and the fries. Like that's the thing yeah. I'm going to have when I just got off of the uh, dragster or any of these yeah. gigantic rides. So. Well, and that's such a good point too, with like place and who you're with actually is so much of the food experience, right? Yeah, it's really what, what brings it. It's, I mean, it's the most primal thing that we experience as human beings that still ties us to the past. If we yeah. want to go 200,000 years back in time, that's the thing that united people, tribes, um, just gave people a sense of place and purpose. And specifically now with uh, 2021, as we continue you know, evolving through the pandemic, yeah. it's the thing we really lost. We lost it because we had to, we had to stay safe and like not leave the house. But yeah. additionally, we're reminded day by day that technology like kind of cuts that supply short of like how amazing it is to sit down with a meal with somebody. And, like right now, I can't really do that. I still can't, right. you know, there, right. uh, it's, I'm reteaching myself how to do that. So again, I'm single, everybody. You <laughs> heard it here now. I'm available for meals, but, but to answer your, your, you know, what you're saying there or to give you uh, back that energy, it's uh, it is something that is so important to us. It's, it's our DNA literally yes. just to get together and eat together. So, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's embodied, right? That's absolutely real. Very. Um, what's the food you eat to feel comforted? Well, it's, it's going to be straight up, straight up carbs and cheese probably. So in all sorts of, combinations. Yeah. I will make, uh, for example, like eight tortillas with cheese. So that's technically a quesadilla. I'll make those at home. Yeah. Uh, I'll make myself uh, ramen or I'll make rice like a stir fry. So the, the, the carbohydrate is an essential piece of like, I think the comfort and uh, oh yeah and warm food. I think, you know, when you're sick, you have like a soup, you know, that you made and yeah. things like that. But um, you know, because I'm somebody who's kind of sporty spice and I, I watch myself, that's the, also the other thing I have to kind of keep an eye on yes. is how much of that starch I'm consuming because as uh, active as I am every day, if I consumed all the carbs I wanted, I probably wouldn't be doing enough exercise to like, yeah. balance it off. So I have to just keep an eye on it. Well, also those foods lose their power if their cadence is more frequent, right? It, it, it does. I mean, I can yeah. tell you from last year, I, I didn't, I didn't put on a lot of weight, uh, like some people, you know, unfortunately went through. Um, but there was a, a period of time, uh, and you and I haven't spoken about this, but it was about like late summer, all the way through late winter, where I think the pandemic and the crisis that we're living in yeah. really hit me in a bigger way than I ever thought. Yeah. And my eating habits, though they didn't go out the door, I was still having my egg whites or whatever. My consumption of carbohydrates was real constant every night, especially at night. Uh -huh. 
and when you're trying to avoid your feelings. <laughs> and, yeah. and additionally, uh, they just stopped tasting great because yeah. what it was is I was having lots of rice or tortillas or even pizza, you know, the favorites, Yeah. but you just, they go in and out, you know, you're just sort of like, who cares? You're just, you're passing the time by eating. Yeah. And, um, you can't get out of that until you kind of go through the lowest point. And just recently, just a few weeks ago, I was like, I think I'm ready to enjoy food back in this other way again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I'm tired of just stuffing my face because I'm afraid of what's going on in yeah. the, on the planet. Yeah. Well, and it's like, also, you know, when you're doing it, right? Like yeah. sometimes I'm like, well, this was just a really fun time, whatever. <laughs> and other times I'm like, I know exactly what I'm doing uh-huh. and it's leading to this, this, and this, and this. And uh, it's like, you know, when, you know, when, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, people can pay a lot of money for uh, self-help gurus and personal trainers but we, every person knows when they've done some type of emotional eating, yeah. you know, and there's nothing wrong with it. That's our oh. bodies and our yeah. psyche <laughs> trying to keep us safe. Yeah. But if yeah. you can just identify when you do it or how you yeah. do it, eventually you can make different choices down the road. And it doesn't mean you, you uh, are perfect every single time, but you know, you can uh, avoid some uh, mishaps <laughs> if you yeah, are aware of it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. For sure. That's right. Um, what's the food you eat when you're under the weather? Uh, that, that one's definitely going to be soup. I think it's going to yeah. be soup. Um, but I have to m- put in an honorable mention for Sprite or Coca Cola because uh, I'm a Mexican person, and this is a meme. You know, you can find the meme anywhere. But anytime you get sick, yeah, like you know, a cold or the stomach flu or whatever, your parents always give you Sprite or Coca Cola with yeah. whatever snacks you're getting because. Yeah. Uh, we grew up, you know, very classically Mexican, like your parents are very involved if you're sick. So they're, they're tending to you, making sure yeah. you get better. But there was always Sprite or Coca-Cola. So uh, again, that's something I don't consume really anymore unless it's right. diet. Right. So, uh, you know, I guess I still do. Cause if I get sick, I will yeah. have some Diet Coke or Diet Sprite. Yeah, but, uh, yeah it, it makes you feel better. It gets you better. Let's just say this, yeah. it's, it's medicine. It's like, yeah, there is something <laughs> about like the medicinal quality of bubbles that I will never understand, but I definitely practice. Hey, placebo effect is strong. It works. Yeah. I don't even care if it's not real. <laughs> yeah, it works. Well, it's like someone told me, I think this is real, that yeah. um, peppermint, like peppermint, real peppermint is yeah. like a natural, um, like uh, what, stomach easing. Uh, yes, it will improve your digestion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll get rid of gas or cramps and uh, but yeah. like I'd eat like starlight mints when I have a stomach ache and oh. I don't know if they actually do it or not, but I believe they do. Technically on some level they would because they do use the yeah. essence of the plant or the extract. Yeah. But yeah, if you wanted to go all the way, uh, yeah. just make it in tea. So it yeah. could be the packets or fresh. And additionally, I'll also recommend mugwort which you can find like in Whole Foods or like a health food store. Uh-huh. The, the flavor of that tea is uh, not quite like mint, but close, it's a little uh-huh. heartier, but that will also fix up any, um, oh. any digestive issues, yeah. I'll check that out. Mexican Although magic I, on this show today. I could probably do some other things to uh, avoid the stomach <laughs> that need to be cured, right? Yeah, but we gotta live. Yeah, we gotta live, we gotta I'll live. live. All right, here comes the big one. Uh, the namesake of the show, which is a classic base to many recipes, is mirepoix. This three-ingredient holy trinity takes many forms all over the globe and manifests in different ways. 
What is your mirepoix? What ingredients do you use on the regular to start a cooking process? This one's easy because uh, a you know your listeners know, but I have been cooking all my adult life. I, I really do love cooking. I don't have the type of work schedule right now where I can like be uh, you know planning my whole menu the whole day. But but in general, uh, I I cook every single day. Most meals I'm cooking. Yeah. And that, that trifecta is, um, I guess, pretty universal because you could use it in Mexican cuisine, but you could also transport it to Asia mm-hmm. or Italy. But in, a, in essence, it's a type of fat, most of the time it's olive oil and onions and garlic, because most of the things I'm going to generate in my kitchen for an actual meal will bring in other vegetables and meats, but getting that base uh, cooking and softening those onions and the garlic is going to set the course. It's like the framework for everything. Yeah. And uh, it is, I would say, probably the most important part of like just getting my mindset correct before I begin. Yeah. And that happens pretty much every night. So last night I made um, was chicken breast. Uh, and so I started with that onion, olive oil, garlic. But then on top of that, I added a ton of spinach to the chicken and mushrooms. So yeah. that was served over rice, but every meal basically starts that way. I made um, just today, asado, which mm-hmm. uh, if anybody enjoys Mexican food, it's much more of a home cooked meal and you will hardly find this in a restaurant. Yeah. But you make it in a large pot or a pressure cooker or Instapot. And um, it has a base, almost like an adobo that is made uh-huh. of tomatoes, onion, garlic, a little bit of olive oil. And then you, you usually put some chiles in there. So it's a combo of dried and, and fresh. So I yeah. did ser- serrano and um, ancho. And it also has potatoes. So it's beef, beef potatoes and that. So in essence, kind of like very hearty, like a stew because it's potatoes yeah. and meat. Uh, but you cook that for a long time or in the pressure cooker. Um, but in order to get that, that right seasoning, you have to have these uh, onions and the garlic and yeah. And um and so, yeah, that, that's that's happening in my house every day. I, I have that's more onions than I can do with. And that's my uh, mirepoix. I wish I knew how and why onions were and garlic were so powerful, but I don't need to know the answer to utilize them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess they do have a lot of uh, medicinal, nutritional qualities. Um, yeah. I do get... Sometimes, you know, you, 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 there's a bit of laziness you feel sometimes when you have that, like that onion you just haven't opened yet. And you go, oh man, I'm gonna have to chop up that whole thing. But um, with a sharp knife, anything can happen, so. I feel that way about a clove of garlic. Like sometimes there's a mental yeah. block around like opening it, opening or, like it, yeah. smashing it, you know? Yeah, I know. And it's like first world problems, right? But, right, uh, you're right. Yeah, but uh, what's yours? Have you talked about it on the show? Oh, I, that's a good question. I mean, I'm definitely, I, I'm definitely an onion, garlic, and olive oil person. Like almost everything I cook starts with that. Yeah. Um, I've started experimenting with uh, crushed red pepper, like um, at the beginning of recipes. Mm-hmm. I started. I did talk about this on one episode. Uh, like green onions, like chopping up, cutting yes. the white from the green, and chopping up and cut, uh, cooking the white. And then topping the dish with the green. The green. Oh. That's like, it just makes me feel fancy, you know? <laughs> and that's the thing. They're not even that fancy, but they are so good. Uh, I forgot on my egg whites, often I will put uh, green onion at the end. Yeah. That's. Because I do love green onion. Yeah. 
but I can't imagine cooking without an onion. Like it just like, that's like base level for me. Like, yeah, it, it's like, it's just part of like the flavor you're trying to generate. It's like the yeah. base to me in, in many ways, but um, yeah, I mean, if I do Asian, uh, Italian, you know, that's also going to work for a lot of different things. So yeah. yeah. 100%. Okay. So we're, we're, we're samesies when it comes to that. Uh, combo. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. We can share a pantry. Um, speaking of which, uh, what's in your fridge? What are the items you can always find in your kitchen or pantry? You know, the pandemic really like made this gel and yeah. super evident to me because of data, because I was using Instacart and some yeah. of these services so much. So now I know, and the app knows, the algorithm knows yes. that in my fridge, what I am generally always full of, uh, I'll go in categories. So in terms yeah. of meats, uh, it's always, always chicken breast, egg uh -huh. whites, and whole eggs. So uh -huh. I'll usually have like two or three cartons of whole eggs, mm -hmm. about eight of the big cartons of egg whites, and, you know, several packages of uh, chicken breast. Uh, so, you know, I do other red meats and things like that, but they're more of a treat. So chicken breast yeah. is the, the, the standby. When it comes to fruit, there's always apples and berries. That's kind of what I tend to gravitate towards. Yeah. And then um, vegetables. These are really standard because I'm telling you, Instacart just knows that yeah, you're yeah. ready. It's uh, always cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, uh, broccoli, green onion, mushrooms, uh, squash. And I'm not going to count dried beans, even though it's some people think it's a vegetable. I keep those separate in the pantry. Yeah. Um, and uh, oh, spinach. Uh -huh. And and then if I have access to the farmer's market, then some cooler stuff like yeah. meats or whatever. But those repeat a lot. And then in terms of starches, if I am um, really minding my calories and my macros for something bodybuilding related, uh -huh. well, then um, it's almost always just white rice the whole day. Uh -huh. It's like white rice for breakfast, white rice for lunch, white rice for dinner. But if not, if I'm sort of living living looser, which yeah. is lovely, it happens also, then there's a mixture. I'll have uh, tortillas. I'll have um, not as much pasta. I'm not really a huge pasta person, Yeah, but uh, lot, lots of grains. Yeah. So lots of rice and, um, and you know, I like carbs. So, yeah. so that, that, that's about it. Uh, I think I lost audio. It might yeah, I, I got good. you back. Yep. Yeah. And uh, in terms of like traits, that's a tough one. Yeah. Um, if I'm minding my cows, I yeah. have lots of sugar-free lemonade that I drink oh, uh -huh. copiously or some. But then <laughs> if it's, if I have access to, you know, just more calories in my budget, then I'll always have uh, lots of chocolate uh -huh. uh, lots of peanut butter with like a jelly that I'll have as peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. Whatever's. And then uh, Cheetos, the flaming red hot Cheetos. Uh, I must have those. Yes. And um, probably something like a gummy bear. Yeah. Oh yeah. So those are my treats. Those are my treats that I, I will have. Uh, but I don't keep a lot of junk in the house because yeah. straight up, if I have it, I, I will eat it. All of it. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's so. so it's, it, it's a. What? Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, what you said about like the algorithm at Instacart is so interesting because I think that's something I, I'll bet a lot of people have noticed in the last year of like learning their trends and like learning what <laughs> yeah. they really eat. Like, mm -hmm. I think that's something that happened to me is actually it helped me hone in on like, you know what? I almost always finish that box of arugula and never finish that box of spinach. 
maybe I'll just yeah. buy arugula, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. yeah. So why aren't you finishing the spinach? I don't know. I have like a mental block, I think. But so do you like freely embrace arugula? Like, does it just speak to you more? I, I think, yeah, I, something about its shape and size and like, it's like bitter, the little bitterness. It's very bitter. Yeah. I'll eat it in like a salad base, but also in sandwiches. And because of that, it goes really fast. Um, I don't know why. Also throw it on top of like a frozen pizza. Pizza. Yes. On pizza. pizza. You know? Yeah. Well, I like it because it actually has, this is super nerdy talk, but uh, some food, like a scientist would know how this works, but I think it probably has like a, on the leaf, like Mm. the oil itself, it has more of a mouthfeel than spinach. Spinach, you know, when you're eating it, it just feels like a, like a leaf crunching on it. But I think that arugula, it's almost like a film on top of it Um, that has that bitterness that makes it more fun and exciting. Yeah. I, 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 the other day ate two cheese and arugula sandwiches in a row and I was delighted. Like the second one was just as good as the first. And I was like, that's rare, you know? Like in grilled, grilled cheese format? Is that how you had it? Oh, cold. I, I was like oh on this God. weird kick. I have no idea where it came from, Yum. but I was so happy. Yum. I know. Um, all right. You are nine years old. Who mm-hmm. is in your kitchen? Who is doing the cooking and what are they making? Um, nine years old, that means it's me and my brother and my mom are in the kitchen. My brother's only partially there. He's like playing. Uh, so he, he, he's in there for a minute, then he runs off to do whatever. And then I'm helping my mom because uh, at that point in life, uh, she was a stay-at-home, a stay-at-home mom. So uh-huh. she was there all the time and she would get all this great time to like cook, you know, very good home-cooked food. And yeah. often I helped. So if I got home from school, you know, I would help. And that's how I learned how to make asado and some of these things. Yeah. Uh, but that's where we would be. And I think that um, at that time we were living in Mexico City. Um, she would sort of like the French people do. You go to the market every day. You don't shop once a week. You shop almost every day. And so uh, she would send me to the tortilleria to get like a kilo of freshly made tortillas that had just been made, bring them back um, to have with, with dinner or to the panaderia to get bread, yeah. uh, baguette, right? Or bolillos as we call them. Uh, but she she would be doing all the cooking pretty much. Um, and it would be really hearty. I mean, just things we talked about here before, meats and vegetables, but yeah. all through the Mexican uh, cuisine lens. So uh, I have really fond memories of that. I have really fond memories of that kitchen uh, where we lived in Mexico City. That's uh, near the Southern end of the city. And uh, just a really nice residential neighborhood. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, if I can somehow recreate that every day with my cooking or how I live, yeah. then I've won the game. I don't think I've done that. I think my mom is like the best at it. Yeah. But um, those are really fond memories and they probably got me this far. It was one of the things that allowed me to enjoy cooking because I know plenty of people who don't. And they're like, yeah. I just didn't grow up with it. We didn't love food or whatever. And I'm like, we did. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I still do. That's right. Love affair and over. Yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite thing to eat, do, talk about, all yes. of the above, you know? Yes. Yeah. There's something you said there that made me think about, like, um, I think you were talking about recreating practice, but it reminded me, like, I think so much when I'm cooking or preparing food, it reminds me of other times that mm-hmm. either I've done it or I've watched someone else do it. And that's such a particular sort of 
moment. The like cutting the onion and thinking of someone else cutting the mm -hmm. onion is very powerful. Well, Even you, know, short, you know, documentaries and books have covered this yeah. plenty, but uh, like we were talking about earlier, it's not just the link to our like our ancestor DNA as as yeah. evolved apes, but also um, to culture. And so, if if we have if if a person has roots in China, Korea, Mexico, France. Um, each time you, you cook, you are able to tap into that family yeah. history. And, uh, you know, I think some people get intimidated, especially with how like modern everything is today, where they go, well, if this was the food of my ancestors, I'll never get it right. I won't yeah. bother yeah. making this recipe because how arrogant of me, I can never like actually do it. And I, I encourage people to push themselves and try it. Because even though maybe you don't even speak the language of those of the country that you came right. from, uh, accessing the food might open completely new doors, not just to your own inner, inner experience every day when you cook, but also when you go to the grocery store and you're looking for that rare ingredient and you get into a conversation with the person who sells it to you, like you're, you're, you're again, that's the opening up of culture and accessing like what our ancestors did and combining it with what we do today. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's something I get super hyped and, yeah. and excited about this topic because it's one of the things we can still hold on to. I mean, the, yes. the planet is in a whole new place. Technology has brought us forward in this huge way and we're in a crisis, you know, climate emergencies here. It's not yeah. like it's arriving, it's here. Yeah. Um, and so this is one thing that we can actually still hold on to that makes us uniquely human. Uh, it allows us to connect better. And uh, I do believe it lowers blood pressure, y'all. So also yeah. it, it's yeah. good shit. Oh, can I say that? Yeah, oh yeah. <sighs> oh my God. You can I say whatever you want. Podcast. <laughs> We've heard worse already, don't worry. <laughs> um, all, all sorts, all sorts of, of, of goodies, adult and otherwise. Um, no, it's just true. And I think, you know, like um, there's something important about a practice that is practiced yeah. throughout generations, throughout time. Yeah. Um, and there's not quite anything. I think this is what you're saying. There's not quite anything like it in that way. Um, that's kind of amazing. Well, we've lost a lot as we've become more modernized. And I think that the key is to not feel down on it. Yeah. Be like we lost everything. Yeah. We still can. It might just look different. You might be using a local ingredient that was never meant to yes. be used for that recipe. But yes. if you think a lot about like, let's say a grandma who you never really got to know, but she, maybe she was from another country, make the food that you heard was her favorite. And I think yeah. you'll, you'll discover something about yourself that will be way more wonderful than anything you can watch on Netflix or consume through your phone. Yeah. Amen. I mean, actually, you just made a connection for me that is really interesting. Like there's something related there to like why we continue to tell stories, like mm -hmm. um, not just in general, but like why we keep telling a particular story, you know, yes. like, man, we're still doing Antigone. Well, maybe there's a reason, you know, there's a reason why there's a reason why. And um, I, I think that, well, those are the archetypes right there. Yeah. Uh, and they, they cannot be ignored and yeah. they live even beyond the, the, the specific. So I think uh, the, the narrative and the story of food as it relates to humans is literally one of the things that makes us human. No yeah, other right. animal cooks their food. Right. None. That's and right. so uh, I think we, we can embrace that even as the, 
I try not to be so grim, uh, Joe, but even as the, the next phase of something really difficult coming to the planet yeah. uh, looms, I think we can still remind ourselves like we, we have to eat every day. Let's try to cook the best meals we can and um, do it in a loving, earth loving way. Yeah. 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 That's right. All right. If we aren't eating blank, then it isn't blank. This one was really tough for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, I try to come up with like some really funny ones, <laughs> but let me, I think I can, I can put this one together. Um, if you aren't eating Mexican food with masa, uh -huh. something coming from the maize plant, yeah. it's not Mexican food. And this is parallel to when Japanese folks say, if your if your meal doesn't include rice, it's not a meal. Right. Um, the the true history of Mexican cuisine before the Spaniards were even there, is that you know it really was centered on maize, like it was a sacred plant. It was the main crop, and um, you know today we have so many options for Mexican food in this country with various hybridized forms or bastardized yeah. forms. Yeah. So th this is never to critique any of that. But if you wanted to feel like you're plugging into the authenticity of being in cuisine, Mexican cuisine, uh, anything you make, you even if it's just um, you bought a tortilla or whatever, like that, including that really starts making it what it needs to be. There's a few other things that are essential such as chilies, yeah. squash and beans. Yeah. And notice I didn't say meat because meat was never really a huge part of it before the Spaniards. Uh -huh. um, but between those four, I mean, you got that, but it must must have corn just like for Japanese folks that there must be rice in there. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, that, that's it. Yeah. That's it right there. That's that's beautiful and, and, and wise. Oh, well, thanks. <clears throat> it's a celebration. How did you know your family was going all out with food? What restaurants did you go to? What plates came out of the cupboard? How big was the spread? Well, all out, I think for us, uh, just in my family where, you know, we have many uh, practicing Catholics, plus uh, I wouldn't say we have one of the largest families. As far as Mexican families go, it's not as that large. Mm -hmm. um, but we, we have a lot of holidays and birthdays where you know, we get together and they're such important gatherings. I think between those two birthdays and, and holidays, um, the food factor becomes exponential. Yeah. And so uh, for birthdays, you know, like, we're not kids anymore, but for example, like my mom will always make mole for our birthday because that's like my favorite. Yeah. Um, and it will be these quantities that I think I've, I've run into like like white people before and they go, oh my God, how, how can there be this much food? And you go, <laughs> you go this, this is, this, you do it not just to feed yourself, but to open your house yeah. and your heart to people. And I think that's the, the thing that's hard to understand is uh, when you visit countries, not just Mexico, but other countries, uh, often people, even if they're with low resources or poor, they will go out of their way and serve you, like they'll just generate so much food, they'll cook so much, because it really is the most open thing you can do, right? So back to yeah. that openness. Um, so for us, it was that, and I think uh, in particular, the Christmas holidays had mm -hmm. the, the biggest spread and dishes that we wouldn't see there during the year. So in Mexico City, this is very local to Mexico City, but bacalao is one of the Christmas dishes. Mm -hmm. And it's um, codfish, which originally was the ingredient from Europe, right? Yeah. 
Mediterranean. Yeah. But in Mexico City, it's done in a fairly traditional recipe that you might even find like in Portugal. Yeah. So it's uh, cooked with onions, garlic, uh, lots of great olive oil, tomatoes. Uh, it's cooked for a very long time. Um, but if you go to Mexico City, a lot of families celebrate the holiday with that besides, besides turkey or tamales or things that people think are more typical. Yeah. And that for us, the bacalao conversation usually was starting all the way like in like early December. It's like, uh-huh. we're, we're gonna get it, who's gonna cook it, whatever. And to this day, it still happens. Like my parents do most of that cooking, but yeah. they spend a long time preparing like how, how much bacalao will there be this year? And, yeah. Uh, who's gonna get to take some home? And it's, it's something that um, I think really it's just one tiny piece of this gigantic spread of food. You know, it's like desserts and all these dishes and, you know, you name it. So we like to eat in my yeah. family. That's the through line. It's important. <laughs> so, very, very yeah. important. Yeah, I feel like I've now said this a thousand times on here, but like like making too much or ordering too much is yeah. so closely related to celebration. It's, yes. It's almost... Um, whatever the opposite of the word antithetical is. <laughs> Thetical? Thetical. <laughs> now, and I see what you're saying. And I think that, um, I mean. Synonymous. So for anybody listening, I have a, the sportswear line, LED Queen. So fitness is a huge value of the brand, but I'm not a personal trainer. I'm not like an expert in that field. I'm a nutritionist. But this conversation about, particularly what you said, where it's large quantities of food, sort of is meant to be this open, generous thing. Mm-hmm. I think that if we're kind to ourselves, at the times when we overeat or overorder, because I've done it too, yeah, it, it, there's a way of reframing that and going, well, that person's just trying to be good to themselves. Maybe yeah. this is the best way they thought they could do it and maybe they regret it because they ate like too much. Sure. But again, if we have that self-awareness, we can go back in time and go, yeah, you know, that period in time where I gained all this weight and I was like totally stuffing my face every night with uh, Grubhub or whatever, that was me trying to help myself as yeah. opposed to as opposed to the drama that people yeah. put out where they go, I was being put through the ringer and that was the shittiest time of my life and I yeah. hate this person. Like that's part of it too. But yeah. I think if we rewind and want to make actually better progress as human beings, we can go, well, I was maybe I was feeling lonely or I was going through grief and that's the best yeah. way I could open oh my, my myself yeah. to myself. Uh, now it's not the best method for our health and blood pressure and all that, but um, I just yeah. think that we cannot like be beating ourselves with like such oh. harsh judgment because yeah. honestly, I mean, whether a person's mega fit and has six uh, pack abs or not, mm-hmm. they all go through the same struggle with food. Yeah. There, there is no person that is free from the struggle with like how much food is appropriate or when right. it's appropriate. So right. um, I'm a big believer in that. And um, I've done that myself. I mean, yeah. not just last year, but there's been other times when I'm like, well, I think I was just trying to like not eat my feelings. That's one phrase that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. But in some, I, I like to say like, I was trying to help myself uh, yeah. in a not very healthy way, but I was trying to help myself. But I'm gonna, we're gonna credit you with that because you made me think of that. that what oh you my said goodness, now, yeah, I never thought of it quite in that way. So yeah. I like that idea <laughs> of like, yeah, being generous. I mean, there's lots of ways to be generous with yourself, but yeah, there is like a, that impulse to take care of oneself, right? right? In lieu of someone else taking care of you, particularly in a world right now where so many of us actually are living alone in sort of vacuums, you know? Right. So you live alone, right? Yeah. Yeah, I do too. 
I do too. So I think the, the conversation about what's happened in a year is so fascinating. I've always loved living by myself, but yeah. I'm not going to kid anybody. Like 2020 was a hardship because I'm like, oh, this is a different kind of alone. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah. 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 yeah, I liked living alone because I was I would come home to be to be alone. Exactly. Come a space where I was with others and exactly. then all of a sudden that wasn't part of the equation. Yeah. And I was like, I can only do so many Zooms y'all, you know? Like this isn't authentic. I mean, it's well, authentic. I, I checked out out of a lot of Zoom stuff uh, last year like uh, and I myself was an early proponent of it. I remember yeah. when it started I was like I was doing like special streams and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I even did like some variety shows that were Zoom, like actual yeah. variety shows. And I was yeah. a, uh, like a guest, a performer. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad I was invited to that stuff. They went well, but yeah, probably around like halfway through the year, I was like, you know what? Um, if I'm doing something live on the internet, there's a better way to do it. So the only streaming I do today yeah. is uh, video games with Twitch. I do do oh, that yeah. once a week uh, or twice a week. But it's a different kind of performative space. Yeah. yeah. All the other stuff, I found myself super exhausted emotionally after a while because I was like, "This doesn't actually solve my loneliness in this weird um, environment that you just described." Which is, yeah. I'm actually a really social person. I just choose and enjoy my own company when I'm home alone. Yeah. But now I'm alone 100% of the day. Yeah. And so. Yeah. Um, it, it was, I mean, it's been, it's been a challenge. The whole last year, it was just really hard. And I, I'm finally like coming through to like, you know, better shores now. Yeah. But, uh, you know, even as it relates to food, uh, things that weren't in your questions, but people should know is, um, you know, I, I even wondered a few weeks ago, I'm like, is food something that's causing some um, health problems? Because I, for the first time in my life, I got eczema. Uh, last oh, uh-huh. So of course, you know, the, the, biggest crisis of the planet that's when like my skin decides to go yeah you know what you're gonna get eczema yeah and then just like all people with eczema you you suffer a lot because you're trying to figure out what what's causing it yeah so for a while i was like oh maybe it's food maybe it's gluten you know i started eliminating foods and things like that so i'm not going to go into all the details but i just want people to know like um you know the struggle is real because whether we live alone or with people i think most people have felt alone last year and uh yeah. I think we're all literally rebuilding and re- reteaching ourselves how to be ourselves. That's yes. how I see things right now. I'm actually like relearning how to be Cesar. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I, I resonate with that a lot. <laughs> and that includes food. I mean, there, I yeah. just, uh, some, some yeah. things are slightly different now than when I started the pandemic, you know, yeah. or how I cooked before. Uh, not too many, but... Yeah. Um, yeah. Even goofy stuff like, I mean, this is like more like what I realized, but like I didn't realize how often I was stopping for coffee when I was out in the world. Oh, you, know? you and me both, right? Wait, can, can we can we say we were both guilty? Because I oh, yeah. just, it was like built into just walking out the door. As soon as I walked out the door, I knew I wanted to go get one. Yeah. And it wasn't always iced. I know all the people who are like, oh my God, gay people yeah. love gay ice. It, sometimes <laughs> it was hot. Okay. It was hot, but I, I mixed it up. But yeah. it was nonstop. If I uh, borrowed somebody's car and I th- ran an errand, I had to stop and get a coffee. If I was uh, taking a flight, I had to get like one coffee there, one on the way home. Like, yep. It was coffee nonstop. So what, what insight did you get out of that? 
like of understanding that like where, where are you today with the coffee journey <laughs> today today <laughs> i uh i mean i realized how much i was i i was drinking coffee to like make it through the day which yeah. obviously doesn't make sense right yeah. like actually um i read something about like um you know, coffee creating like adrenal fatigue. And I was like, uh Oh, like, I think I know what that feels like, you know? Yeah. So for better or worse, it's all well. And what I really realized it was when I was trying to make the same number of cups of coffee at my house, as I was like drinking out in the world. And I was like, this is wait, wait a minute. This so is many. way too much, you know? Yeah, yeah. So now I'm I make here. little rules. Like I can have, I just got an espresso machine. And I can have like two espresso entities yeah. and then I have to switch to tea. Like there's no more like all day, every day, because yeah. I just, I realized it was actually like resulting in tiredness. Like well, the, it's a crash. It's a, it's so much yeah. cortisol you're releasing with that. Um, yeah. And you know, if, if this makes you feel any better, I've been there too. Uh, yeah. Last year too. That was actually a big yeah. part of it. Uh, the first half of the pandemic year, I was so mega prepared as it was happening because I've always been keen on like pandemics and stuff like that. So I had my like, my I w I'm not a prepper, but in terms of my yeah. business and like my creative life, I was like, I'm ready. Yeah. But it still didn't prepare me for emotionally what was gonna happen, like politics, yeah. Trump, all this stuff. And so, yeah, about like midsummer, late summer, I found myself like, I was as productive as I had ever been because I've always been very productive, just slamming the coffee, yeah. But I did it, I think you said the, the right, like most descriptive phrase, you were trying to just help use it to get you through the day. Yeah. And I realized I'm like, this is no different than alcohol at this point. Right. Like I'm using right. it like alcohol, which is to, <laughs> to put a, a veil over the fact that I'm feeling super scared of the, of the situation or I'm angry at somebody or I'm like raging through my day. Like, and uh, I, there's no real easy way to back out of coffee because it, you know, I'm a coffee lover. And so yeah. I couldn't just be like, well, I'm going to just skip right. it for a week. No, there's, there's no, there's no things like that here. Yeah. Um, but I think I've discovered that with more than a few things as they relate to food and drinks, um, I, I don't drink anymore. I mean, like I said, if, if this was a really special occasion right. and uh, we, you know, we, this was our, our seventh night in uh, Argentina and we're going to have that steak with the glass of wine, that, that would be like, once for the year. Yeah. But in general, like alcohol just uh, doesn't serve a particularly useful purpose for me because I haven't okay. figured out for myself as a chemical, how does it actually boost my life? So yeah. caffeine, I can answer that for you. Yeah. Cannabis, I can tell you like, here's how I'm, I bring it into my life to bring value to my life. Yeah. Alcohol to this day, after I did all my, my emotional math, I was like, there's no way that it actually helps like my social situations or myself. Right. It, at the moment, it feels really fun. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, hey, party, party, party. But um, because I am basically still a social person and I'm not a wallflower, I was yeah. like, there is a way to exist without it where it's yeah. not the lubricant or whatever right. for the social situation. Um, but foods too, certainly caffeine is a, a huge drug and I think it's really useful, but I'm barely now teaching myself like, oh, this is how it should fit into my day so that Caffeine doesn't rule me. Yeah. You know, because it was. When, when you're on, hopped up on that much coffee, like, you know how the days go. Yeah. It, it's too much. Well, and I said, like, you know, the way I was drinking it, like, I was getting, 
somewhere between an hour to three hours of really productive time. But yeah. then I was getting the reverse. Like uh-huh. the afternoon, I was moving slower than usual. <laughs> and it's like, well, and were you boosting like, it up with more coffee in the afternoon? For sure. Yeah, that's what I did too. <laughs> and you know, my, my world uh, has been in theater for so long. Yes, yes. And the like pre-rehearsal coffee was a oh, yeah. was non-negotiable, you know? Yeah, you have to walk in with it. You have to walk in. You have to walk in with it. That's, that's, that's right. what I, I mean. You walk it's, in with it in your yes. hand. Yes, I don't it know says, why. It, if you don't have it in your hand, it's as if you have no hand. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, I, I can relate. Yeah. So, so where are you at with it today? Oh, no, you said now you're, yeah, like, yeah, you're yeah. spacing it out. Well, and I have no rehearsal now. So like that, yeah. that's some of those things were revealed by yeah. those dramatic changes, you know. I think that's the key there. I think that's why I love your podcast, because you're kind of just through the process of asking these questions, you're kind of like helping people deconstruct, like, oh, how is yeah. your life put together? And I think that as, as bad as the pandemic has been, and the whole crisis yeah. it's forcing many adults anyway i don't know about younger people but for us yeah. it's forcing us to look within and go what am i really all about and how is yeah. this put together because there's so many things joe like today where i'm like i'm not doing that shit again not, yeah. not the same way like yeah as much as i can help it some things you cannot avoid like eventually somebody will be like i'm gonna invite you to a zoom okay fine but yeah uh, not this zoom because this is this yeah, is yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. but you know what i mean the ones with Brady yes. bunch uh, oh Brady. yes and uh, some, sometimes somebody will go, oh, you know, come do this thing or whatever. Yeah, I get that. But in general, there's new new things that I've discovered where I'm like, I'm not doing that that way anymore. It's a new era of humanity. I'm not doing those old things. I'm not. Yes. Not. It's, yeah, I mean, it's like somebody called it like a restart. And I was like, I think it's much more informed than a restart. Like, <laughs> it's like a yeah. complete, like, like individually, we, yeah, we're like completely rethinking the how and why of, a variety of things that we do and like yeah what's off the table now you know it's a calling if you choose to think of it as a calling yeah you know which is the calling is to look deeper within yourself yeah. and i still haven't figured out half of these things but with no. many of them including um how i run my business yeah. uh, how i interact with people um not repeating certain old patterns that I have. I'm like, well, it did teach me that last year, that isolation, that that crisis, it did teach me that some of these things needed attention. So I haven't solved them. I don't have any answers, but at least I'm able to identify like this, this area of my life needs some attention. Yes. I'm single y'all, <laughs> <laughs> which is one of the ones I figured out, Joe. I mean, just to like, I'm yeah, yeah. um, I looked at how much I do. And a lot of people look at my life through the internet and they go, oh my yeah. God, Cesar's having fun. He's at the gym yeah. and he's always dancing, doing TikToks. But uh, truly I realized I was like, I am not bringing enough uh, weight in my life to bringing uh, new connections in. And what I mean by that is friendships or romantic. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's hard for someone to, somebody to get in if yeah. I don't make the space for them. Yeah. And so one of the things that's different this year is I'm like, well, I'm ready to meet people. I'm not ready to marry somebody like yeah. that, but um, I have to do it differently than I ever did before because clearly it wasn't working before. Right. I, I was a workaholic. Right. And I'll always have that tendency. So I have to kind of like bring myself to a new place now where I'm like, oh, you know what? I actually have real hobbies. Yeah. Like I used to detest having to talk about hobbies because I was like, I don't have any, I just work. Yeah. You know, like my work is like better than a hobby. Yeah. And while that is true, uh, I realized I was like, actually, I, I actually really need hobbies. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because those are the ones that connect you to other people, like people yeah. you're going to meet, people you're going to date. Uh, and so 
I wouldn't call cooking a hobby because it's been part of my life for such a long time. Right. right. Uh, but for sure in the pandemic year, and there's foods attached to some of these, um, like video games. Yeah. I've loved them all my life, but I allowed myself to say video gaming is one of my hobbies and I love it. I stream on yeah, Twitch and play yeah. these games. And yeah. the other one was having a, a pet for the first time. Yeah. And uh, that's been amazing because uh, I think it does open up your world, but I yeah. would not allow myself before to have one yep. ever, ever. Do you have a pet? I don't, but you know, just when you said that, I thought about, so I've started during this year, like having plants and I always avoided having plants because I was too busy. There you go. Um, and often like not just busy, but not home bus- because of busy. Yes, you know? yes. And I was like, you know, in a real way, I was like, I will kill them, you know? Um, <laughs> but A, now I'm home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> B, I'm nowhere close to that kind of busy. But also I realized it's like, even though I, you know, most of my plants only water once a week, there's something mindful about it. There's something cyclical about it. There's something charming about it to me and and maybe to others, speaking of singlehood. Um, and they're living things. They're living they're things. Living things. And, uh, and they create oxygen. Like what? Yeah. And, and you can go down the rabbit hole with them, which becomes a hobby, which is like, what seed is this? And when do I plant it? Or yeah. how much water do it, does it need supplements? Like it's cool stuff. Yeah. And now I have like 11 different plants that I know how to take care. I just counted, uh, that I know how to take care of that I didn't know how to take care of a year ago. And it's wild, you know? Uh, Those of you uh, who listened to this, you missed it because you you could actually see Joe's like uh, face Ah. change when he was doing the counting. And it was amazing because it was a flash of a second and then he was back with the answer. He was like, Uh, are any of these plants edible? Not to my knowledge. No, I don't think so. Okay, so you're not doing herbs or anything like that. No, I well, you know, I had basil for a while and I was really good at killing basil. I killed three basil cans. It's just way too hard. I I'm, I did just do some research though on um and I can't remember any of the answers, but of um low to medium light herbs, like what could grow on my back porch, which yeah. gets like sun partial uh, yeah. you know, some of the day. Um, so I might look into some of those. I think mint was one of them. Like mint, people were like, mint will that, grow. It'll grow forever and you yeah. can dry it. You can, um, I mean, you were talking about like digestive stuff. I, yeah. just, I, I have mint in my back porch, uh, yeah. in the mornings before I have breakfast, I'll just pull some leaves and chew on them, have a little glass of water before my coffee. I want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, you, you can start doing it today. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to write that down. Uh, well, we should probably stay on our, our journey, huh? Uh, uh, you tell me. You're the guide for this journey. I'm, oh, no. I'm in charge. Yes. <laughs> I trust you. Well, this is related to, uh, you know, sort of home and, and self and, and whatnot. What, what food for you is home? What recipe do you hope is on the table when you visit family? Uh, I mentioned it more than twice, but it's uh, going to be mole, uh, yeah. which is it takes many hours to make. It's quite complex. Uh, if anybody's listening, it is not a chocolate sauce. If anybody ever put that idea in your head, that's not what it is. Chocolate is one tiny ingredient. Yeah. If you really want to know the, the magic of mole, it's you know multiple ingredients, but the, the real base is chilies. Uh-huh. That's one of the reasons why it's so interesting because it's, it's a lot of chilies that have been ground up with all the other things such as lard, tomatoes, you know, it's a great stuff. Yeah. But that to me is uh, one of the pinnacles of Mexican cook- cooking, but it's also... If somebody makes that for you, it's a big deal. 
Uh, yeah. they've, they've truly opened up their house and their heart to you because it's it's not something you can whip up like that and you cannot buy it frozen right like, you know it's it's uh it's something special so that's yeah. The one. yeah that's beautiful uh fill in the blank what americans don't understand about blank is blank what americans don't understand about salsa is that salsa is achievable to every american huh. in your heart let me explain that. Let me explain that. You, you do not, I mean, okay, so I get it. Like if you order a pizza or you yeah. get some ch Chinese takeout, you're gonna get your sriracha bottle and you're gonna go, you know, that's yeah, cool, yeah. do it. Like so, hot sauces are good. And, and even though I don't buy that shit, like the, the mm -hmm. jars of salsa at the grocery store, yeah, I respect the fact that people choose to buy that stuff. Yeah. However, if you really want the secret, this is like the core secret that that, that question brings out. Yeah. The real heart of salsa is that you have what's inside, like what's required to make it, you have it already inside of you. It's a recipe yeah. that you can run off of the top of your head. It's actually that easy. You yes. could do it with raw ingredients or you can spend the time to cook and boil. You don't, you could yeah. do either one. Yeah. But a great salsa should always be part of your repertoire because all Americans pretty much love salsa now. Yeah. And the ingredients are really easy to get. You can even get them at a 7-Eleven. But yeah. if you can, like avoid those jars and things like that, because really when you start experiencing your own salsa and you don't have to be Mexican, you can be any ethnicity, um, it'll just open up that cuisine, but everything else uh, for you. Because making a quick salsa, if you do one that is uh, that involves cooking, yeah. you know, we're talking like 20 minutes, 25 yeah. minutes, chopping and, and doing all that stuff, uh, maybe a half hour. Yeah. But if you do a raw one, you know, you're done in like 10. And, yeah. um you can make a lot of it if you do foot meal prep or whatever you can keep yeah. a lot of it in your fridge but uh i think it's i don't i'm not of other ethnicity so i don't know how to speak to those but right. if you really want to go in deep and say i really love mexican food or i love cooking try that for a week just make your own salsa for a week there's great recipes out there i think it will really open up your mind that's beautiful i somehow algorithms are so funny you know I can't believe we live by algorithms now. I know it's actually frightening. And I, I don't, uh, if I think about it too much, I'll freak out. But um, <laughs> on TikTok, they know, TikTok knows I like to watch salsa get made. Uh, really? The cooking kind. Yeah. And so, so this is a coincidence that I brought this up? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Um, so my algorithm is really specific. It's like Polynesian bodybuilders. It's uh, homemade salsa. Oh, I like that. Yeah, right. It's like Patty Lapone jokes. <laughs> this is fantastic. But it's like a lot of, I noticed um, a lot of like middle to older aged women have gone onto TikTok and are like, let me finally show you how to actually make salsa verde. Let me finally yes, show yes, you how absolutely. to make, fill in the yeah. blank. And it's an incredible world to be yeah. in. Yeah. Um, and I'm having the time of my life. I'm so glad you're in there. I'm glad about the synchronicity that brought this somehow together. Cause I did not listen, anybody listening. I didn't tell Joe what my answer was going to be. Yeah, It happens to no. sync up with what the algorithm's uh, sending to you. And uh, really, I mean, th these are history lessons. Like food is yeah. always a history yeah. lesson. Uh, if, if anybody loves those details, like women were the, um, the rulers of cooking and yeah. food preparation. So preparing ingredients for multiple seasons, like it was women that did it in pre-Hispanic times. Uh -huh. But uh, for salsa, salsas were made on uh, two different tools made of stone, like volcanic stone. Uh -huh. So one's the metate, which is uh, like a curved 
um, stone surface. They're beautiful, they're, they're yeah. made. And then you roll like kind of like a mortar and pestle, like uh -huh. all the, so whether it's corn, chocolate or salsas, like you're doing it like that or a mocha hete, which is mortar, mortar and pestle. But I believe that today's cook you're listening to this and you love salsa and you're like, I, I no longer feel intimidated because Cesar said I could. Go out there and just make yourself one. If you have a bullet or even a, just a knife uh, or a, a little old blender, you can yeah. make these really easily. If you screw it up, you didn't spend a lot of money on fancy ingredients and uh, you're tapping into the history of Mexico because even though it's not a molcajete or a metate, metaphorically, you're invoking these amazing women who made this food yeah. centuries ago. Yeah. I'm really you know, into magic. So I, I, I tend to sort of think on these magical like metaphors. Oh yeah. <laughs> also, you don't have like generations of women like taking herbs and vegetables and call it not magic, you know, like. Well, exactly, because that is magic. Yeah, you're yes. right. magic and medicine. It was medicine before it was yes. called medicine. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And then in a parallel vein, I was watching something recently where they were making like um, pesto. Um, yeah. I think it was a show on Netflix. And they were making the pesto with the basil and the parmesan and the uh, pine nuts or whatever else is in there. Yeah. Walnuts, maybe. In this nuts, yeah. They're doing it in the mortar and pesto, like all together. Yes. And first of all, it was beautiful and looked phenomenal. But also like at one point someone says like, and how do you feel when people buy jarred pesto? And the guy like doesn't, mm -hmm. he won't even respond to the question. Yeah. Because it hurts. It, it, well, that's like when I when I see a person at the grocery store, like the hand is reaching towards the shelf for the, the jar of salsa. Yeah. yeah. You know, I just I just go, but but you don't have to live like that. <laughs> and you don't need three. You don't need thirty hours in your week to do to do that. Because uh, yeah. life does become better. I mean, just think of it this way: you make a delicious sandwich, and you have some of that leftover salsa that you made. Yeah. You got you got your layers, your, your ham, your cheese. You go, but what if I just put a little salsa in there? Ooh, that, that's all you need. And you made it. It's just, that is the magic. Well, and this is related to like what we were talking about earlier, right? But like also we're learning, I'm, I'll speak for myself. I'm learning this year how important food practice, actual food practices for things like emotional health and oh, like yeah. creating a non-screen based you know, yes, yes. hobby or practice. Yes, yeah. um, it's, it's like mindful in a, in a myriad of ways. So why remove the chance to do things with your hands and engage your senses and do something that's like a different, if it's, if it's cerebral, it's a different kind of cerebral, you know, like make the salsa and skip the like Gwyneth Paltrow blog, you know? Right. <laughs> Right. Like make the salsa and skip the the crossword. If you're you know crosswords skip aren't bad. The crossword. But like, skip the the half an hour you would have spent on Facebook. Yeah, uh, it's built in mindfulness. It's built in like like a legacy practice. You know, it is, and it has so, such great outcomes. You know, for better health and just yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, well, I hope so. if people are listen, listening that they take their notes and they go, oh my god, yes. I'm, I'm running away with all these secrets. They just give them away for free. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, speaking of secrets, what's a food or cuisine that you found in your adult life that changed how you thought about food? I think I was going to make it about a specific cuisine. And so Ethiopian almost made it in there because I love Ethiopian. Yeah. But I think that um, in my adulthood, 
having respect for discovering and kind of getting into just enjoying consuming awful, like all the organs of the oh, wow. animal, I think has been really uh, important. Yeah. I think that the, the food, the supply chain for, for meat is really troubled. It's one of the things that's moving us further into climate emergency. Yeah. And I, I eat meat. So, you yeah. know, if anybody's gonna ask and go, oh no, no, I, I definitely eat meat, yeah. uh, guilty as charged. <laughs> but I think that um, being really open to eating liver, kidneys, tongue, eyeballs, cheeks, um, definitely has given me an, an extra amount of respect for the animal. And even though I'm not the one slaughtering it, yeah. uh, when I've visited different parts of the world, or even when I cook at home or ask for something at a restaurant, I go, well, at least we're trying to like consume all parts of it. I'm not trying to be like little miss chicken breast where I don't yeah. want to think about the death of the animal. Like we definitely, right. we kill them, we consume them. And so I'm working through like my own relationship to yeah. how we eat animals yeah. uh, and I still eat animals. But I think that awful, all the organ meats uh, yeah. have been teachers in a way, mm. and they are delicious. It's just you have to know where to look. And it, yeah. it's always going to be like what they call, I hate that word, but ethnic cuisines. Like, you know, you want to try the, some of those things, go, go get a taco of, of lengua. Yeah. And uh, it, it will, again, open up new doors, but you have to want it. So yeah, um, it's something that I did want because I was a very picky eater, Joe, when I was mm -hmm. a... Uh, child and adolescent, even through college, I was still really picky. But right around the end of college, then I was like, oh my God, I grew up with this great food culture in my house. Yeah. And I'm wasting it if I'm not trying these foods that I wouldn't even like mole, my favorite yeah. thing in the world. When I was a kid and I was a teenager, I was like, I don't want to eat that. Yeah. I want to eat it. It's too, too, too much going on. Yeah. And so um, organ meats are definitely part of that story. And huh. uh, I don't keep too many in my house because I mostly am eating chicken breast. Yeah. But um, if I have access to like a farmer's market and they have the whole thing yeah, uh, or the whole chicken, you know, chicken hearts and all that, uh, uh, definitely. Cause they're, they're just really good. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Uh, what's your biggest recipe fail? <laughs> uh, I got a recent one and an old one. The old one is when I lived in Uptown here in Chicago and that was, you know, I was mid, early 30s, just cooking a lot for myself, you know, living, living the cooking life as a single person. And uh, the fail was real simple. I made, I think, a casserole or something. And it was on Pyrex. Uh -huh. And I brought it out and I set it down on a cold surface. And the Pyrex exploded in the kitchen. I don't mean like it shattered. It Pyrex explodes. Now, luckily they make it so it's not like huge shards going in your yeah, eyeball. Yeah. But uh, that was a huge fail because I was like, I was like, I thought I knew how to cook and how to like handle myself in the kitchen and I could not. Yeah. So, so that was one. And then more recently, I, um, <laughs> can we talk about cannabis on the show? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's legal here in Illinois. And in the last year, just like we're, you know, rediscovering how we have a relationship with caffeine and some of these chemicals. Yeah. I was like, all right, cannabis is here. I'm using it, helping me get through the pandemic. Now it's a little different. Now I'm using it differently because I was like, I think I was relying too much on it. Yes, but sure. I got really good at making brownies. Oh, yeah. I got really good at making brownies. <laughs> and here's the thing, y'all. If you are a brownie person or if you like space brownies, don't fuck around. Don't do, don't do sugar-free recipes. Don't do substitutes. If you're gluten intolerant, I get it. So you have to use like a nut 
flour yeah. or whatever. I got you. I got you there. But if you're generally choosing like the classic recipe, don't stray from the classic recipe. And that includes when you make it with cannabis, because I made one batch one, one week. I got creative. I broke away from the recipe and I was like, I'll try it this other way. Yeah. It was, it was going to be a crisis if I wasted all this pot that was in well, there. Yeah, it's expensive. They, they just turned out nasty. Yeah. And so I forced myself to consume them. It took forever. Yeah. Um, but, but you know what? Just like I mentioned at the top of the show, a lot of classics, you cannot beat a classic. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, what, what grandma always said was, you know, choose good ingredients, have them be fresh. Don't, 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 don't twist it. Don't get yeah. twisted. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, uh, fails. The inversion of that is what's a recipe hack that you found that you'll always stick with? Recipe hack that I'll always stick with. Uh, it's the first one that comes to mind, which is um, when you're beating eggs for any recipe that involves uh, uh, beaten yeah. eggs, a teaspoon of cold water oh. will just will just fluff them up a little bit more. So if that's if you want them fluffier for like yeah. scrambled eggs or whatever, but even yeah. in just any recipe, it yeah. I don't know the chemistry behind it, but it no. just gives you like a great smooth even consistency, and um, I think I saw that on. Uh, uh, whatchamacallit, PBS. Yeah. I forget which show it was. It, it might've been like America's Test Kitchen or whatever, but um, yeah, that's the one. It's the first yeah. one I can remember. You just unlocked a memory for me of like my mom teaching me how to make scrambled eggs. And I don't remember how many eggs were involved. Like it was probably a batch for the family, but she told me to do a half an eggshell of cold water. So oh, like, there you go. When you're done, like your last egg, you just take the half of the eggshell and you just yep. put some water in there. And uh, it was probably for a large um, quantity. Uh, we had a lot of kids in our house at, at a lot of different times, but um, I hadn't thought about that in a while. That's funny. Look at that, making connections. See, making the connections. <laughs> uh, what's a recipe that you highly recommend and what makes it special? Recipe I highly recommend and what makes it special, oh my. Like, does it have to be one of my own? No. Hmm. Well, in that case, it's gonna be pumpkin pie. And again, mm. as if you're uh, gluten intolerant or you have some other allergy, just, just do substitutes. Just keep in mind, I got you in my mind. <laughs> but in general, like a classic pumpkin pie recipe, which nowadays you can make year round because you can still yeah. buy canned pumpkin most, most yeah. places. Um, there's something so uniquely American Mm -hmm. um, about it. It, it does um, create a little bit of a history that we can learn from. Um, it's one of the best tasting pies. If you want to get super nerdy and roll out your own dough and use actual lard in your crust, you know, you, like go all the way with it. I think it's just, it is something that's really special. And it's something that wasn't in my life until I moved to the US. So it's something that, you know, when I die, I can take that away with me and go yeah. something that's amazing out of the United States is the pie that that yeah. that specific dish is something yeah. really special um, and also it just ties into the deeper roots of the country so yeah. it, it uses a squash as its main ingredient yeah. uh, which for all the pre pre um, pre-colonial cultures squash was a huge essential yeah. ingredient so uh, i don't know i can go on about pumpkin pie for three I days it. i kid you not this will be a three-hour or three-day podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm willing to go there, and I have made it with lard. You know, like oh yeah, the, the crust and stuff. I used to really get into that. Yeah, it comes out great. It's delicious. <laughs> best 
slice of pumpkin pie I've ever had in my life was in the Dominican Republic. Ooh. And I'm still, I don't know what was different. Like I can't, I've never been able to put my finger on it, but it was uh, fantastic. Yum. I, I would like, I would love to know what it was. Yeah. And everybody has their own twist. Uh, I used to do, I still do it and it'll, it'll come out okay. Uh, you know, some people will put like a liqueur or something in there, like a little bit of rum or something. You can yeah. do that stuff. Uh, I've even gotten away one year, I got away with uh, just a, like half a shot. So we're talking like half an ounce of tequila. Yeah, because uh, it'll cook off, you know, but yeah, it'll, yeah, yeah. it'll leave some of that flavor like, yeah. So but but again, now I'm straying like I'm telling people to stick to the classics. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, so just be aware. I ain't perfect. That's right. That's right. Make your own choices, everybody. Yeah. Choose wisely, but have fun. That's right. All right. Uh, we're at our penultimate question. No. What chef? I know. Can you believe it? I want to keep going. OK, forever. Um, what chef or food practitioner do you recommend looking into? Um, this one's always an easy one. Uh, Diana Kennedy, mm. uh, who I, I should have double checked this before I got on the show, but I believe she might still be alive. Perhaps not. She's, she's been around a long time. Yeah. But she was one of the first, uh, uh, cooks who went to Mexico. And I, I know some people get upset about this because they feel like it's a type of colonialism. Yeah. Uh, so you, I welcome that person to come and have a debate with me because I'm actually a Mexican national. And I actually do feel that it was, uh, respectable and lovely that she uh-huh. got obsessed with Mexican cuisine at the deepest level. We're talking about uh-huh. like genealogies of specific, genealogies of specific chilies, yeah. Uh, you know, methods that are so traditional and like localized to specific villages of Mexico. Like yeah. she's written plenty of books. Any of yeah. her books that you can get are just so great. But if you even YouTube her, like you can see her like in her old age, like going through yeah. the mercados and like buying stuff. And the amount of knowledge that is in her head about Mexican cuisine is a true treasure because she's a bit of a bridge between mm. what we know as Mexicans day by day in Mexico yeah. and what I would call like the commercial wide world of like the United States. So yeah. we, I do have to thank her because she's educated many Americans on aspects of Mexican cuisine that maybe they just don't have access to. If you're yeah. living in Ohio, yeah. maybe you can't find those ingredients, but you watch Diana Kennedy and you go, oh my God, this woman is taking me there. Yeah. So uh, my yeah. hand goes off to her. That's beautiful. She's great. All right, last question. What are you working on right now, food related or not, that you want to share with listeners? Uh, I got I got things cooking. Can I say that? I got yeah. two several big things cooking. Uh, first one is something that you eat with your eyes. So um, we're preparing some new designs for LED queens that are tied into into pride for this year. But because uh-huh. pride still is nebulous, most people, we, yep. most cities probably won't really have parades. Yeah, uh, we're not really rocking out like tons of rainbows the way that people expect. Uh-huh. We're releasing kind of a, a new a new pair of leggings and shorts that kind of all match together. That uh, just are meant to recharge us, to, to mm. make us feel like refreshed. So when um, you have some refreshing food, like lemonade or whatever, that's the effect we want you to feel uh, new leg. And tights is like our signature product, which is why I talk about it so much. Yeah. Um, so I can hint that the, in terms of color, they're closer to a dragon fruit than anything okay. we've ever seen. So really, really bright. Yeah. So I'm really excited about those because they're they're cooking right now. We actually have a photographer who's uh, shooting with a model for us uh, in New York. And awesome. um, that's something that's changing too. I'm 
not as day-to-day on camera with LED Queens as I used to be because A, I'm busier and it's growing to the point where I'm like, I cannot be doing all that stuff. Um, But um, now we really focus on the stories of our customers. So our customers are on the page all day long and they're beautiful customers. So that's the visual food I'm working on. Uh, I'm also working on literary food. uh, And this is a big one. This is a mega, mega recipe. Yeah, Uh, I've got back here, let's see. Joe can see it, but y'all oh, on yeah. the podcast can't hear it, see it. But uh, this is book one in my uh, series, The Coils. And uh, book one is 13 Secret Cities. The second book is called Nine Lords of Night. And uh, I have the third one coming out. Um, oh, wow. Probably, realistically, it'll probably be spring of next year. But that's yeah. basically already this year for me. Yeah, in terms yeah, of writing, yeah. Right? Um, and uh, I am willing to share the name here. Uh, just in case people are just nerds and they're like, what is it called? So we we can actually do a name reveal here, Uh, (laughs) but not gender reveal. I'm not into that shit. No thanks. Um, Because my books are not gendered, but it is uh, definitely darker and darker than the first and second books. But for anybody who loved the second book where it had a serial killer and a murder and the follow-up to catch the serial killer, you will get more um, answers about that crime in book three. That's awesome. uh, but book three is uh, called Hall of Mirrors, Ooh. right? So it's the Hall of Mirrors. And this is all still tying in all this Aztec mythology. So very scary uh-huh. creatures are coming in from the Aztec underworld and then people are yeah. going to the Aztec underworld. Uh, but food does play a, play a big part in this one. Oh. But in sort of a magical sci-fi fantasy kind of way. Uh-huh. Uh, just like in fairy tales, you know, Joe, in a fairy tale, if you go into a witch's house, what should you never do if she offers you things on her? Don't table? eat her anything. Don't she eat gets. her food, right? Or her oh. drinks. Uh, Alice in Wonderland, right? Like, yep. she, yeah. So uh, some of those themes, which I've touched on in some of my other books, it'll come back again in this uh, series, the new book. Yeah. Um, but there is a lot, there's always a lot of uh, metaphors of things consuming because we have yeah. these giant monsters also that eat. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And things and they even eat like your soul. So um, I'm really excited about it. If anybody wants to catch previews of that stuff, um, you can go to my personal website. I have a newsletter oh. that's cesartorres.me. Yeah. And um, I've reformatted my social media, Joe. So in yeah. the old days I had like four Instagram yeah. accounts and lots of Twitter accounts. Yeah. But because of the pandemic and sort of looking inside, I was like, I can't be in all these places. No. So if you want some book stuff, like little teasers and things like that, the newsletter is good. But if you want to find me on social media, then TikTok is the place because I oh, will be yeah. making TikToks about these books oh, and cool. Aztec mythology. Yeah. Um, and then what else did I keep? I kept the uh, clubhouse, which I don't know if clubhouse will stick around, but if anybody's there either. or you need an invite, I have invites. Um, I do plan to do some book uh, promotion there, oh, mostly cool. about like how to write books or how to publish yeah. and market your own books, but leading up to eventually like previews of the new book. Um, so, so that's a lot of stuff right there. That's but, a lot of those stuff. Those are big. Those are big. Yeah. And you're uh, busy bee. There's going to be other things that I probably don't even know about yet because they haven't like crossed my path. Yeah. But um, it's evolving. It's all about evolving LED Queens. Um, I never expected it to get this far, really. I mean, and then with the books, you know, we're both artists and we're we're working on an indie level, right? Like your your podcast is an indie uh, podcast. But for me, I'm also just trying to find out like 
for myself? What are new angles I need to take to get a wider reach with my books? Yeah. Knowing that I don't write stuff that is um, what New York publishers want. Right. Like that's This has always been the through line. Like, you know, we, we've talked about MFAs and all this stuff. And yeah. um, I, I got to know the publishing industry. I actually got to know some editors and, and agents who pick up these books. Yeah. And looking back, I go, oh, that's why I got that feedback. I would get nice, nice responses from agents that they'd say, we like your writing, but yeah. we don't know how to sell this. Yeah. And I think that's still the case because I think that the question about brown people, brown characters, mm-hmm. uh, shamanism in books, uh, yeah. people who are living across the gender spectrum, yeah. so trans people, non-binary people, because those are things that are in my books, there's still going to be a challenge to get out to the wider marketplace. Like for, yeah. for LGBTQ people, yes, they tend to find my books. That's already happened. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm trying to figure out a way to like go wider without, without being an asshole. Yeah. I've, I've, I just know way too many people in my own community, sadly, who are so angered mm. about all the things that have happened to us as mm. minorities or oppressed people that they won't let it go. So the first thing they shoot out of the house with, like they go out charging out of the house is with rage and they go, everybody's an enemy. You're my enemy if you don't think like me. And I think that that has slowed down the progress of literature, movies, the arts, ballet, everything. Because everything now, everybody's on, on alert. Did I say the wrong thing? Did I insult this particular group? Sure. And surely, I mean, even if you watch my TikToks, I'm often calling out like video game makers or whoever. I'm like, oh, you, you misgendered this person. So yeah, I'm yeah. part of that, but I'm not, I'm not enraged in the way that some of my peers are. Uh-huh. And so that brings me back to these books. I want to take them to a wider audience. I'm not gonna water down my concept, but at the same time, uh, how do we get them out there? Knowing that in many ways, the the mainstream world isn't always welcoming to people right. of color or right. trans characters or gay characters. Right. So I'm excited about it, but it's forcing me to get real creative, Joe, because yeah. obviously I got this far and I have grown books in a certain way, but if they're gonna grow bigger, I have to be more clever than before or right. rather than clever, I need to be more chilled out. So mm. this concept of that rage, which I also have, right. I assure you if I'm able to modulate it and kind of integrate it more with myself, uh-huh. my books will go gangbusters. Uh-huh. Because some people do succeed by being like, like so enraged, Yeah. but that success is very short lived because the reason they got to be famous was because of the rage, but, and not because of the work itself. Yeah. It's just like a general broad theory. Yeah, and yeah, for yeah. me, I'm like, no, I'm going along for the long haul. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And I'm going with my writing. So even if it takes me a long time to market these books, uh, I believe more in the story than in my passing um, obsession with identity politics, perhaps. Sure. Uh, even though I'm part of that and I believe in identity politics as well. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, 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 it's, yeah. It's very complicated, but- um, I do think like, yeah. even though like it's right and just to be angry, it also will kill you. It will kill you. You know? It, it will shut out your own allies. That you can't see what I'm doing, listeners, but I'm shaking. Like if you hold that energy and that tension and anger yeah. all the time, 24-7, like... It destroys you. And, and I think in, in 2021, I won't get into specifics because that's yeah. when the, the problems start. Yeah. But I will tell you, so many people in multiple groups, not just people on the left or the center, but even the right, 
if the rage is that strong and you keep thinking like it's me versus them, what ends up happening is you actually end up alienating your own allies. Uh -huh. So people who normally would have been like, well, I'm not perfect, but I'm actually, I, well, I want to be on your side. You yeah. will even eventually shut them all out. So it's a type of like very deep isolation that's driven by rage. And uh, I cannot fault it. It's just what human beings do. It's what many people, many of us are doing on the planet at the moment, mm -hmm. but we need to chill out a little bit on that because it's stopping the flow of the arts. Like the arts by their very own nature are transgressive and provocative. And yeah. to write provocative ideas or have trans characters in a book, you have to have the, the, the ovaries to go and like get yeah. it done. Yeah. And I just feel like some of those conversations are slowing down the exposure of some of those works. Oh, uh, interesting. While at, in other ways, they're bringing great uh, focus to them. Sometimes we're discovering yeah. great writers yeah. and uh, artists because of the rage. So it has two sides to it. It's not like it's a bad thing. Yeah. I just want to caution that that rage when it's turned inward, where if you're, yeah. that's what you carry all day, just like you said, yeah. it, it will kill you, kill you. And well, it will it's kill like us. the, um, what is it? The old adage, like drinking poison won't kill your enemies, right? Or something like that, whatever the, the real phrase is. <laughs> like, you're close enough. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like that, if, if it's all inside of you, that doesn't punish anyone, that doesn't bring justice to others' actions. Like, but it will slowly poison you. It does. I mean, the last year I've had to delete maybe between five and six TikToks where looking back, I, I regretted what I said. Oh, sure. And yeah. it, sometimes it was just in general rage yeah. and other times it was directed at specific commenters. Yeah. But I thought, you know what? My ability to stay balanced didn't, didn't hold. Yeah. I, I regret it. So what my point here is that when I say, you know, this is my opinion on the topic, everybody, I say it as a very flawed, imperfect person but yeah. I, I do think that where we're at today with um public discourse on the internet and having to do with all our identities as humans uh is a huge blockage we, we need to do better uh and speak to each other in a way that we listen better yeah and right now no one's listening <laughs> that's and clearly that's why we're, we're stuck with, yeah yeah like yeah. anti-vaxxers and all this stuff like it's no one yeah. listens to each other so yeah yeah and we don't even know what the long-term effects of that are yet, right? Like, no, we don't. The comment section is a relatively young uh, venue. Well, I mean that that's a whole other podcast in itself. But yeah, yeah. it's uh, I I have to be feel compassionate for young people where the internet is all they know. Yeah, but I can assure you, there's more to life than the internet, and knowledge and facts often thrive better outside of the internet. Yes. And so I think uh, back to cooking and all these yeah. things that are actually real, they're using your motor skills, your cognitive system, your soul, your, your, your taste buds, your ability to like share the food with a friend. Yeah. Those are anti-internet in a way. And yeah. they're, they're magical. Like you can, you can tap into that magic. It's just, uh, there, there's that FOMO, right? Like people go, oh, if I'm not on, on the internet all the time, then I'm not, I don't exist. But it's like, no, you do. You just aren't on the internet as much. And that's what I did finally two months ago. I was like, I'm deleting a bunch of accounts. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. It reminds me, it's so corny. There's that protest in Rent. You've seen Rent? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. When they're chanting actual reality 
Mm-hmm. Because in response to the virtual reality bar, whatever they're weirdly opening on that corner, or whatever. But like, I think about it all the time. I'm like, it's not like you aren't yourself online. You are. You, you are. Know, yeah. Of course, there's artifice and there's complications and, and there's layers. But like, your body moving, talking, touching, tasting is actual reality. And like, the less we're grounded in that, I think the more. I think we don't even know what bad things happen <laughs> from not being grounded in our own body. I, I agree. I mean, we, we lose the ability to, uh, I mean, it's not to sound hokey, but like to even heal ourselves. Like yeah. when you heal from grief, trauma, or an injury, like a sports yeah. injury, it's because you're able to look inside and, you know, allow that, that process to happen. But when your attention is being robbed by the screen, yeah. by these apps, uh, I mean, we have science to prove, like, you know, even your, your blood pressure, everything's a, like yeah. out of whack when you're just too much uh, in there. And, and I think it's so important to, to bring that up because right now people are listening to this. So I think it's actually one of the better media for that. Yeah. But I have, I used to have such prominence, like with my image, not, not at scale, like I didn't have I millions mean. of followers, but I had so many accounts and I was always like presenting things visually, which I was glad to do. Yeah. Like I sort of realized after a while, I'm like, yeah, there's a way to still do it, but don't do as much because it's starting to like sap your your life source. It really it was like like a vampire like sucking things yeah. out. And yeah. you know, you 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 remember like my cosplay, like book mm-hmm. promotion yeah. account for the How to Kill Superhero books. That's a great example. I had a YouTube channel, I had Snapchat, mm-hmm. I had Instagram, and I was always populating it with like new yeah. costumes, new things, new stories, and. Um, I realized after a while, I'm like, okay, there's just like any artist, you don't, you don't like work on a single record for the rest of your life. Right. You're always moving on to another record, another way of right. telling that story, another way of recording the record. And I was like, I, it's time, it's time to, it is time to kill a superhero. So that's what I did. Yeah. I got rid of yeah. him. Um, and I think it still shows through in what I do. Like I yeah. may be taking a selfie at the gym or talking about yeah. like uh, my books, but what I was doing with that is still there. It's just, I live at peace a little bit better now yes. because it was too much, Joe. And I, I was just posting, creating too much, even though I was proud of what I made, it was too too, yeah. too much. Vampire. I don't want it to be get eaten by the internet vampire. Me neither. Yeah. <laughs> but, but is that a good Unless note like to end really on? I, I wanted something vampire. more vibrant to be like, <laughs> yes, the world is saved. Yes. I mean, the world is saved. You know why? Because you, you created this show. Oh, well, look at that. Thank you for joining me on Mirpois Podcast. And thank you to our house band, Siblings, for the use of their song, Jars. I invite you to subscribe to financially support Mirpois directly on Anchor and to follow me on Instagram where you can receive behind-the-scenes content about this podcast and my own food practice. Till we feast again.